Welcome to the Rush Hour Podcast. Sit back and relax or hop on the treadmill for the next hour as we talk Saskatchewan Rush Lacrosse. Every month, Jake Elliott will talk with Saskatchewan players, coaches, executive and team personnel about all things Rush Lacrosse. And now, the host of the Rush Hour Podcast, Jake Elliott. Hey, what's going on, Rush Nation? Good to be back with you once again here on the Rush Hour Podcast, presented by Daytona Homes. The thanks goes out to Dave Thomas for voicing that intro for me here this season. As speaking of seasons, well, the season has come to a close here for the Saskatchewan Rush, unfortunately, as they were knocked out of the playoffs by the Colorado Mammoth just over... A week ago, well, just under a week ago, I suppose. Um, as this Jake Elliott with you, color analyst for the Saskatchewan Rush, uh, going to be back with you. This will be the final episode of the season. We may do like a midsummer check-in, uh, check-in with a couple of guys who may be playing in the PLL or what have you. Uh, but this will kind of wrap up the season here on Rush Hour, and uh, lots to talk about and lots to talk. Two, as uh, we'll have three big guests on the podcast here for the fifth episode. Uh, business Development and Director of Media Relations, Brandon Urban, will join us here in about 10 minutes' time on Rush Hour. And then uh, we will go to Saskatoon, as I am actually in BC right now, but I will go to Saskatoon and talk with the play-by-play voice of the Saskatchewan Rush, one Ryan Flaherty, will come up in about half an hour's time, and then uh, we'll kind of tie the season up in a bow with the head coach and general manager, Derek Keenan. So Brandon Urban, Ryan Flaherty, Derek Keenan, all coming up here on the Rush Hour podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I think it was about April the 10th the last time we talked to you, and, well, uh, Four regular season games took place in that span, including that playoff game as well. So let's take you through that quickly, I suppose. As it was still Adam Shute's goal at this time, uh, as April 12th down in San Diego, and it was a big game as far as the season series went for Saskatchewan and San Diego, as they had both split a game prior to that. And the rush came ready to play in this one, 18 excuse me, 14-8 the final for the Rush, and that really set the Rush up nicely to try and claim that first place as San Diego would kind of stumble down the stretch in the regular season and open the door for Saskatchewan, and that victory, getting the season series there against the Seals, was a big victory, and they did it in convincing fashion. Ben McIntosh with another big night against San Diego as he really feasted on the Seals this season. Then they returned home for a date against the Philadelphia Wings. And if you recall, it was a quick turnaround for Saskatchewan in that one as they played in San Diego on the Friday, then had to get back home on the Saturday for a game against the Philadelphia Wings, who were sitting there waiting for Saskatchewan to come in on fan appreciation night. And Saskatchewan, uh, they struggled in this game for a better portion of it They actually trailed this game by two goals heading into the fourth quarter uh, before really kind of putting their foot down on the wings. And they pull away in the fourth quarter, I believe a 7-0 fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken, if I recall correctly, against the wings in that one. And they win by five. 
16-11. to 11. So a real tough back-to-back weekend for Saskatchewan, and they come out of it smelling like Rose is going 2-0 and against the Seals and Philadelphia. And I believe that was Saskatchewan's only back-to-back weekend uh, in the entire season with the way that uh, the CBA and the buys and everything worked out. Um, so Adam Shute goes back-to-back. He goes 2-0. and The next game would be the 20th of April, and it would be in Calgary. I made the trip to Cowtown for that one, and it was, uh, as did a number of Rush Nation fans, uh, there was three busloads full. I, I know, I think a bunch of people came up from Edmonton as well. There was close to probably a 1,000 Rush fans in the building, and there was 19,000 total fans inside the Saddle Dome, a sellout in the regular season for the first time in their history. And they did not disappoint their home fans, did the Calgary Roughnecks. Evan Kirk would get the start in this one after a five-week absence due to a lower body injury. And uh, the goaltender came out and, and, quite frankly, was not sharp. And the rush, uh, the rest of the boys kind of let him down as well. They didn't get much support, did Evan Kirk. And, and this one was not close Literally from the get-go, and Calgary hangs one on Saskatchewan, 18-8 to the final in that one. And and then the questions kind of started, well, what are we going to do here with Evan Kirk? Is he actually healthy again? Is he going to be ready to play in two weeks when it's playoff time? Because at this point, the playoff position was secured. It was a matter of whether they would get home floor or not. Adam Shute, who had played very well, uh, was sitting there, you know, he didn't get the start in Calgary. I really thought he was going to get the start in Calgary, and then they would go to Evan Kirk in the final game of the regular season, but they wanted him to get as much work as possible. Things didn't work out uh, there for Kirk or the Rush as the, the Roughnecks win by 10. So that left one game in the regular season, and it was against the Colorado Mammoth, and it was a pretty straightforward scenario at that point. You win and you get home floor. They also could have got some help from the Buffalo Bandits beating the San Diego Seals, which ended up happening anyway. So even if they lost that game to Colorado, which in hindsight might have been a better idea because it's so difficult to beat a team four times in one year. There's a little foreshadowing there for you. But they beat Colorado. Evan Kirk comes back and maybe plays his best game of the season as he looked ultra-focused, ultra-sharp, and only allowed eight against the Mammoth, 13-8 the final in that one on Superhero Night. Some real cool jerseys uh, on display in that game uh, that were up for auction. But uh, Evan Kirk named the first star in this game, and that was a real good sign heading into the playoffs as Saskatchewan secures home floor advantage through the Western Division. Uh, so they would have the return matchup uh, a week from Saturday, April the 27th. I want to say it's the 3rd or the 4th. <laughs> Probably should have done the math. They play the Mammoth again in the opening round of the playoffs, and uh, that one's still pretty fresh in the mind, obviously. Just a, a wild, wild game inside Sastel Center for the divisional semifinal. In uh, a game that Colorado wins in overtime, 11-10 on a breakaway goal from Joey Capito. 
Uh, this game was really kind of back and forth, back and forth. The The rush actually held leads of 7-4 and 8-5 early in the fourth quarter before what may be the weirdest thing I've ever seen at a lacrosse game, and that was the entire building at Sastel Center going dark as the power went out a couple of times in a, in a short span. And the game was delayed a couple of times. Eli McLaughlin had a goal in between the two delays. And it changed the game. You, you don't want to kind of use that as a crutch, but it really did affect the game. Sestel Center and, and Rush Nation absolutely loved it. They were having a party. Uh, but uh, I think it affected Saskatchewan, who gives up six goals in the fourth quarter, uh, something you just don't see the Rush do. And Colorado able to squeak one out. Mike Messenger with a breakaway opportunity right off the uh, opening faceoff to start overtime. And just an incredible stop from Dylan Ward, who was uh, the best lacrosse player on the floor in that game. He had one of his best games in his career. And that's the kind of effort that it took. It was almost a perfect storm for the Mammoth uh, to get past Saskatchewan, which was a huge upset. And the first time they've ever won in Saskatoon. Uh, it was a, it was a monumental win for the Mammoth and a, and a real disappointing loss for Saskatchewan, no question about it, as they had higher hopes and, and expectations uh, going into the playoffs. Uh, after what was a, a bit of a tumultuous year, uh, eleven and seven campaign, they do finish West or first in the West for the fourth straight time, and and that's no easy feat for sure. And, and this team is still a very good team, and we'll be back. Uh, We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later with all the, the draft picks that they have, and uh, they need to get some work done in free agency. But uh, this is still a very, very good team and, and a disappointing exit, uh, but you got to give Colorado some credit. They they played really well and and sneak out a win. So um, if you're just kind of catching up, it's, it's Calgary and Colorado in the west. It's Toronto and Buffalo in the east, and one of those uh, – two of those four teams will play in the NLL Cup a little later on uh, next month. So there is the recap from around April 10th to this point now. And unfortunately, uh, I'm not going to be back in Saskatoon until it's freezing cold again, most likely, unless, uh, something happens. I need to make a trip to the prairies, but anyways, uh, season is over and, um, We'll look ahead to, to next year with our guests coming up, and then uh, we'll, we'll say some thank yous and all that sort of stuff and wrap things up here on the Daytona Homes Rush Hour podcast. Quick break here, and on the other side, it's Director of Media Relations and Business Development's Brandon Urban here on Rush Hour next. Hey Rush Nation, this is Ryan Keenan with the Saskatchewan Rush. You're listening to the Rush Hour Podcast, presented by Daytona Home. Committed to you, crafted the care. All right, welcome back to the Rush Hour Podcast, presented by our good friends at Daytona Homes. Uh, now joined by the Director of Media Relations and Business Development, it's Brandon Urban here on the Rush Hour Podcast. Brandon, thanks for doing this. Jake, thanks for having me on. I, I wish we were talking right now in happier circumstances and that we were preparing for a broadcast this weekend. But uh, unfortunately, our off-season has begun. Yeah, it's uh, something that, that you guys, uh, or we, I suppose now I can say, aren't uh, aren't very used to 
to having the month of May off. So, yeah, I, I had a bit of a, a moratorium uh, off the top, and uh, it's unfortunate that the season is over. But um, nonetheless, Brandon, I mean, an 11-7 and 7 campaign with the amount of changes that this organization went through with, with the roster turnover, a, a coaching change, um, you know, they finished atop the standings again in the West. That's no easy feat, and... and I would say another successful campaign, but not not to rush standards, but still a lot of positives coming away from this year. Well, Jake, I hate to say it, but you might be a bad luck curse. Uh, <laughs> oh, we did the man. championship every year until you came oh, on board. So man. I if I had to pinpoint the real problem, I, I hate to break it. How, here, long, you, how like, long have you been sitting on that one for? My goodness. <laughs> Don't think that didn't enter my mind, too, because I was like, man, is it me? Was it me? Oh, it just came to me as you were uh, as you were talking about our season there. But now, as you mentioned, uh, an eleven-seven campaign, and we did finish uh, first in the West again this year. So you know, a strong year on the floor and strong year off the floor as well too. We led the National Lacrosse League in in attendance, which is uh, tremendous, of course. And you know, I, I think Corb said it best in his exit interview there. You know, guys are proud. There's nothing to be ashamed of. It was a good year and. Truth be told, we've really been spoiled the last five years. Uh, our fans have been spoiled, our staff have been spoiled, and our guys have been pretty spoiled too. We've uh, we've had the right recipe here for quite a while, and that's a pretty tough thing to maintain year after year. So there's nothing to be ashamed of here. Our guys left it all out on the floor, and our fans were behind them the whole way. It just wasn't our year, and you know it's kind of been a year of upsets, not just in our sport, but uh, yeah. across NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs. Uh, that's sports for you in a nutshell. You know, a best of a best of one game series or a best of seven game series, anything can happen. And unfortunately, we were uh, we were on the wrong end of it this year, but that's just the way it goes. Yeah, and and that was kind of the message. Like, well, I guess we can't win every single year, and and you've almost done that. But it was it's it's always an odd thing, Brandon, when the season kind of comes to an end, and and especially when not everybody's located in the same spot because it's kind of like you didn't expect it to be over. Now all of a sudden it's over, and it's like you're not going to see these people for quite some time again, and. And it's like, well, bye. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, that's it. It's over. It's so, it's almost just like instantaneous. And and it's a bit of a shock. It's a very weird feeling. One that I'm not used to. And one that uh, I don't even remember feeling used to in quite a long time. So uh, it's, uh, it's an odd feeling, not only for our players and our coaching staff, but uh, for our office staff and for our fans and uh, for every member of the organization so yeah you know it gives us a head start heading into next year and i can tell you that uh we're working hard in the office and season ticket renewals are going amazingly well we've sold over 400 new uh, season tickets for for next season and uh on the player personnel side of things by the time the podcast comes out here and i'm sure uh you'll discuss this with derek but uh, today we signed Chris Corbeil and Kyle Rubish to one-year deals too. So oh, two whoa. core pieces. Rubes had an incredible season. Defensive and, player uh, of the year. It, it's it's going to be very important uh, to to get those two guys back. And uh, 
We'll be making another run at it next year. Yeah, I mean, uh, lots of draft picks. Three first-rounders, potentially four, most likely four with the Dawson compensatory pick. And, um, yeah, we we will lose a, a couple in, in expansion, but uh, we do have a nice luxury to be able to kind of get those players back if that's what it takes. And, and let's not forget Ryan Dilks and Jeff Cornwell uh, – will be back in one shape or form or another, depending on, on what happens in expansion. As we speak with Brandon Urban here from the Saskatchewan Rush, and, and you know, being my first year in Saskatchewan, Brandon, and, and you know, I've been I've been to Sastel, and I've kind of, you know, I've done some games there, but I, I didn't really look through it like, like a Rush perspective. And, and my being my first year there, and it's some real cool things, like, happen in Saskatchewan pregame the the banging of the drum and I and I think of the the chess pound that started in year one and and this year everybody loved the the buffer intro um you know that that he had on there where do these how do these ideas come to life and and what's the process to kind of come up with these sort of things well, we've got a pretty uh, solid brain trust between uh, my father and our team owner, Bruce, and myself and our VP of marketing, Andrea, and our entire staff. Uh, we work tirelessly and work very hard to create a very unique, fun, engaging culture around our team. And every Rush Game Day experience is uh, unlike any other sporting event that you'll experience in North America or the entire world. I, you know, we've kind of created a very special uh, community of Rush Nation fans who really come together every game day and uh, we try and create an experience for them that's uh, unlike uh, anything else and they they really uh, they really make the whole event and uh, make each game a memorable one and uh, we're fortunate to have the best fans in the best province and we work very hard to put on a good show for them and uh, come up with some innovative fun things that uh, really bring everyone together where whether it be a special jersey a special game theme given back to different charitable organizations that's uh, that's what we're all about as you know or or maybe just kim f coats decides he wants to come out to a rush game and uh any any comps that was pretty cool that was pretty <laughs> cool we had some special guests at the game this year kim coats was an awesome one hometown yeah. boy his first rush game, he had a blast. Our a couple, a few of our guys were a little bit starstruck. They're big fans and yeah. Kirky and Billich. So, yeah, uh, that's a special thing when and then uh, Darian you get Durant, a guy like of that. course, we had uh, and double- Durant. You know, uh, th- these guys come in and they don't know a whole lot about our game and our sport and you know the culture around our team and what we're all about. And once they experience it, they're hooked and they can't wait to come back to another game and. They're very proud of being, you know, kind of being a small piece of it and uh, having uh, having that association to our team, which is a very special thing. Absolutely, and and like Rush Nation is is probably the most proud fan base I've ever experienced. You would think, like I, you know, I, I always tend to read the comments and stuff on on Facebook and Instagram just to kind of get a feel for the fan base and what they're saying. And and you know, I've been around a lot of teams over a lot of years, Brandon, and when you get knocked out of the playoffs and you maybe underachieve and, and don't reach your expectations, you can expect a little surliness from the fan base. But literally to a man on on all the comments, I, I was literally like it blew me away how positive and encouraging and loving each and every comment was. It was like, can't wait for next year. You guys did so well. You tried hard. And it's it's incredible how much... That province loves that team. 
it's amazing, isn't it? It's we're not uh, they're not like Toronto Maple Leaf fans. My God, some of these other fan bases that just love carving their teams. You know, I think that's what really sets Saskatchewan fans apart from any other fan base, whether it be our fans, Rough Rider fans. Uh, of course, everyone cheers for both teams, and uh, they they really know how to support. And their level of loyalty is uh, it's truly incredible, and it never ceases to amaze me uh, how these people are behind us uh, through the highs and lows. Unfortunately, uh, there have been a lot of highs, but hey, we've uh, finally reached a bit of a low here uh, compared to previous years. We, you know, we've set the bar so high for ourselves, and hey, everyone everyone gets it, and they're already looking forward to next year, so that's a pretty special thing. Well, let's talk about next year as we speak with Brandon Urban here on Rush Hour. It's the fifth anniversary for the rush in Saskatoon, Brandon, and and I know uh, the promo's been out there for a while, but you buy a season ticket, you get one of those fifth anniversary jerseys. Um, can you maybe? And they are beautiful; they're spectacular. <laughs> like you got, uh, there's so many jerseys. Like I want one of those tractor jerseys. I definitely want to get one of these fifth anniversary jerseys. Um, you guys, you guys crank out some of the best stuff. Um, can you give Rush Nation maybe a little bit of a, a tease, what they can expect uh, along with that fifth anniversary journey jersey for next year? Oh, man, we're pretty early, Jake. You know, we're, okay. we're okay. Just, just start. We're just getting over this season. So, uh, you know, plans for next season are slowly going to uh, come together here in the coming months. But, uh, you know, the one seat, one jersey program is pretty awesome. And I, I don't know any other sports teams uh, that have a program like that where every season ticket holder gets it gets a free special commemorative jersey so yeah we're pretty proud of that initiative and uh, it's certainly uh, certainly got people excited which is awesome to see and you know we're, we'll have a couple new teams playing in Saskatoon right. Center next year hopefully right. uh, how we'll see if either Halifax or New York make the trip out I, I sure hope so and you know having uh, a few new teams in the mix always makes things interesting and uh adds you know it uh, it adds not only to the interest in our league but uh, interest in our team here in saskatoon and uh what's uh, what's to come absolutely uh well, last one here for you brandon before we let you go uh i would imagine some thank yous are, are probably in order and and, and I'll, I'll say the first to you and, and to, to bruce for for bringing me on board uh this season i had the the time of my life uh working for the rush this year and can't wait for next season but i know you have a, a staff that works incredibly harder for you guys and and you know we've talked about rush nation a lot but uh you know the players coaches anybody you want to send out a thanks to and just some closing remarks uh, before we wrap up well, Jake, I got to tell you, bringing bringing you and Flats on board this year uh, was a huge addition for us. And I thought by the end of the season, we had the best BR Live broadcast in the league. And I'm sure our fans would agree. You guys were very professional and represented our team incredibly well. So we're very, uh, very fortunate for that. And uh, I look forward to building upon that next year. And uh, I think uh, I think our, our broadcast would be equal if not better than uh, some of the other broadcast teams out there uh, in professional sports not just in our league but uh, nhl nba you name it uh, you guys are top notch so i'm thrilled that you were able to come on board this year and uh, be a part of the rush nation family but yeah our entire office staff works very hard and uh, i'll i'll take any opportunity i can get to recognize them and uh, the hours that they put in and uh, we're really looking forward to next season. Everyone's kind of taking a breather now, taking a few days off, but uh, 
we'll be back uh, very soon here with some exciting announcements and initiatives for uh, our anniversary season, year number five. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Our fifth fifth anniversary season in Saskatchewan. Minor lacrosse is growing in the province. Our brand is growing. Uh, it's never been a better time to be a part of the Rush organization and to be a Saskatchewan Rush fan. Can't say it much better than that, Brandon Urban. Uh, thanks for your time, and uh, look forward to keeping in touch over the summer, and can't wait for uh, December to roll around, man. Absolutely, absolutely. If I'm out in Vancouver this summer, Jake. Look uh, me up, man. We'll grab a drink. We'll grab some dinner. Absolutely. Uh, come to uh, come to a few games. and. Uh, you bet. World Championships your, uh, coming up uh, September. Mark your calendar down. Absolutely. All right. Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot. That was Brandon Urban, Director of Media Relations and Business Development for the Saskatchewan Rush. We'll take a quick break, and on the other side, it's the play-by-play voice of the Rush. It's Ryan Flaherty. will join us here on Daytona Homes Rush Hour next. Hey, Rush Nation. This is Nick Dewey from the Saskatchewan Rush. You're listening to the Rush Hour podcast, Jake Elliott, presented by Daytona Homes. Committed to you, grounded to care. Welcome back to the Rush Hour podcast presented by Daytona Homes. Big thanks to Daytona Homes for uh, supporting the podcast all season long. Hopefully they will be back on board next season as well and uh, we'll see if this man will be back on board next season as well as we welcome the play-by-play voice of the Saskatchewan Rush one Ryan Flaherty Flats uh, good to talk with you again I wish it was under better circumstances yeah no doubt I was expecting to be getting ready for uh, West Division final this weekend uh, with you but uh, how good would that yes. be man to be oh. Calgary Saskatchewan in the West final from Sastel like I just man it's it's and and you know what it's usually the other way around usually that game would be played in the semifinal in Calgary over the last few years so yeah we haven't really got to experience the rivalry in Saskatoon in the playoffs. But I guess we're going to have to wait at least another year for that. Well, we just had Brandon Urban on the podcast, and he blamed me. Uh, oh. He said, you know, we've been to the finals every year until you joined the team. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's I, not wrong. Said, he's I, not I, wrong. Not, I mean, it could be said for me, too, I suppose, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunate. It's one of those things, right? Like, there's, I think, you know, people are. Uh, have been realistic about the the loss but also it's like you're looking for an explanation because you're so used to seeing this team in the finals it's it's still a a bit of a strange thing to see them not getting a chance to play for a title yeah well what i mean maybe we work our way back here uh ryan like what do you what do you attribute that that game i to me like it was almost the perfect storm like dylan ward played absolutely insane i think colorado played their complete like their best game and and squeak by saskatchewan by a goal in overtime and you think back and and the the crazy power outage and the rush had a three goal lead in the fourth quarter and they give up six like a lot of weird things happen in that game for colorado to get by him but i mean uh dylan ward man we he was unbelievable i mean i think it does start uh and and with with dylan ward we, we we talk about him so much and with good reason right like he's he one of, if not the best goaltender in the league. You, you, you make a case for a couple other guys, Matt Vince, uh, Christian Del Bianco is quickly putting himself in that conversation as well. But I mean, Wardo has been 
so good for so many years and uh, so consistent. And I mean, he was lights out. What, you, what was it? 53 shots. I think he saw in that game. And uh, he, especially, uh, you know, early on, he really kept the mammoth in striking distance. You know, it was four, four at halftime. And I think Ward was basically the big reason why they were in that game and they still had a chance to come back. Um, you know, you mentioned the power outage. It's funny. I've had a couple conversations with people about that over the last few days and there's you know it's always a, an interesting debate right momentum just something like that yeah. you know hurt the hurt the team I, i'm personally of the opinion that it, it didn't have much of an effect and it doesn't generally because i think both teams have to deal with the same thing i think some people may forget there was actually kind of two outages or yeah. there was the big one that happened between and the third colorado and fourth scored in between. colorado scored yeah. right away but then there was another outage. So you could make the case, you know, they had some momentum going. Well, that's, and then they kind of got interrupted too. So yeah. I kind of I kind of don't buy that. I don't I think the rush are too experienced and too veteran to let something like that really affect them. But you know, the game itself as as and a full credit to Colorado, but I think the that whole game was kind of a microcosm of the rush season. It was it was a little incomplete, it was a little inconsistent, and in the end it was just not quite the same level that they've been at in the last three years here in Saskatoon. Yeah, I think that, I think that's spot on. And and you're right. I I had Pat Coyle on lacrosse classified this week and we talked about that power outage and, and he said, like, I thought we were just really kind of starting to generate momentum and I really wanted to get going again. It wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't happy about the power outage and, and I don't think the rush were uh, either, but it is what it is. And, and, you know, like at the end of the game there and, and I see Bruce and I see Al and it's kind of like, I'm not going to see you guys for a bunch of months now, and and I need to say goodbye. And and it was just like, you know what? Like, we're not going to win the championship every single year, and and unfortunately, this was one of those years. But it's not like the future is not bright here, Flats. Like, four first round picks coming this year, uh, Dilks and Cornwall coming off of probation, uh, a lot of. Good things happened this year with the emergence of Messenger and Hossick and Jordy Jones, uh, Adam Shute. A lot of good stories and things happened through this regular season and a season that they finished atop the West Standings once again. Yeah, absolutely. People are going to look at the loss and the upset, and it was absolutely an upset. You can't deny that when the four beats a one, especially a four seed that's only won six games during the season. But... Yeah, another first-place finish. The Rush have won the West in the regular season six years in a row. Uh, That's translated into three championships. So you can see right there, you know, they've basically been a 50% uh, chance at winning the division and then following it up with winning the title. And, uh, you know, I thought the second half of the season, they looked a lot more like themselves. Uh, But still, you had, you know, a goaltender, a starting goaltender who, missed a good chunk of time and had to get back into the swing of things really quickly. Now, Evan Kirk, I thought, came back around quite nicely, and I certainly wouldn't put the loss on him. But, you know, it's just that little bit of change, and, and, you know, it disrupts your rhythm. And Adam Shute was fantastic, and it's going to be very interesting, I think, to see how the goaltending picture is handled with expansion and that sort of thing coming up in the offseason. Given the way that Shute played, who knows? Maybe a Derek Keenan has a a tougher decision to make in that regard than, than perhaps he thought he might. But uh, I think that's a good problem to have. Sure. Uh, I think there are a lot of good pieces. You mentioned Dilks and Cornwall likely coming back next year. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. This is a team that's, as Derek Keenan said right after the game last weekend, I mean, this is not a team that's going to go away. This is a team that's built for the long haul. He's always been a forward-thinking from his GM's chair, and he's always preparing for not just the next season, but the seasons to follow. And he's insulated them well against another expansion draft this summer because it's going to get tougher. You got two more teams you got to get past next year. Um, but I think there's still a ton of good pieces in place and still a relatively young team. You talk about all the major parts of this team, especially on offense, and you got veteran guys, but still you know, late 20s, early 30s. So guys that could still have a lot of miles on them and can still be really good for a number of years for the team. Speaking with play-by-play voice, Ryan Flaherty here on Rush Hour. And uh, Brandon Urban actually just breaking some news prior to you coming on here, Ryan. Uh, Chris Corbeil and one Kyle Rubish uh, just locked up for one-year deals uh, for next season. So uh, strike a couple of UFAs off the list as far as uh, needing to, to get those guys done. And and uh, well done for Derek, who's going to take the summer off from coaching and, and really kind of focus his attention on the rush and, and probably a little bit of fishing as well. as We'll talk to, to Jammer after this, but um, I think it's, it's good for him to kind of – reboot and recharge and and you know one of his comments was saying well look what look what happened last time we didn't win we came back pretty focused and motivated and and won another championship and that's kind of what he's expecting heading into next season yeah absolutely and i would not be surprised at all i was just actually looking back at the 2018 and and they the rush just absolutely blistered out of the gate in 2018 they started off 4-0 and they were scoring at will at that you know early in that season they were on pace to set a new record for offense in the nll and i'm not predicting that that's going to happen again next year but they've shown that they certainly can respond after a, a tough loss and getting corbeal and rubish you know locked up is is huge that gives you a little bit of, of reassurance that some of your key pieces are going to be there as you head into an off season with some uncertainty with expansion drafts and 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 that sort of thing so I mean, Kyle Rubish, uh, I think we agree, should be the defensive player of the year in the NLL this season. So having him back, obviously huge. And Chris Corbeil, that's your leader. Um, and he is you know, still a very, very strong player on that back end for them. So uh, th- those are two really good pieces to have going forward. Well, I'll tell you what, if Kyle Rubish is not named defensive player of the year, I'm going to go find somebody's door to knock on and, and uh, have a word because – he was unbelievable this season, and, and I just don't think anybody was in his class as far as uh, the caliber of play all season long for one Kyle Rubish. As we speak with Ryan Flaherty, and and this, uh, like you mentioned, was your first year doing play-by-play for the Rush. Uh, just give me your general thoughts on, on what that was like for you, man. It's not an easy gig to try and step in and become a, a play-by-play guy in the National Lacrosse League uh, with the speed of the game and, and you know, the the pace of it. It's it's one of the harder sports to call, as I'm sure you know, uh, Flats, but I thought you did an excellent job. Just give me give me your thoughts on, on being the voice in year one. Well, thanks a lot, Jim. I appreciate that, especially coming from you. I know, obviously, that's a chair you've sat in for a number of years, and so I know uh, it was a little bit different uh, viewpoint for for yourself this season as well. But uh, I thought it was it was a ton of fun, and and you're absolutely right. It's a it's a tough sport to call. Um, I'm fortunate enough that I did have had done some some junior, but of course the speed is nowhere close yeah. <laughs> at the junior level than it is to the, at the NLL. But at least gave me some 
some time to kind of get used to some of the you know the specifics and the real the nuance. You know, nuts and bolts of the game exactly yeah. right so um you know as a learning curve like anything is um i thought you know we were all kind of learning on the fly to start out we were at a new setup we had people in different positions and uh oh my god uh, that know, first game i was so <laughs> out, i was so out of my element i don't even i was that was probably the most uncomfortable broadcast i've ever been a part of but you know what? You're a pro, and you and you handled it great. And uh, and I think we, you know, we made the adjustments that we needed to make. And I thought we had a good, good thing going. And I, I had a lot of fun. Um, and I and I learned a lot. Um, you know, I still have, have have stuff to learn in in that booth. But um, I think you know the fact. I always look back to the fact. I say, if I'm not getting hate tweets, yeah, it, it must be going on. That's right. a win. That's a win. That's a win. <laughs> right? And I had so, a blast doing doing color commentary. It's something I haven't done since. Probably my first couple of years uh, breaking into to the broadcasting business, and it, you're right, it was a bit of an adjustment, but it was a fun adjustment. I don't know if you've seen it yet or not, uh, Flats, but I I just posted something up on my Facebook, and I encourage uh, fans to go check this out as well. Um, it's the it's somebody has shot kind of a video of the broadcast booth of the St. Louis Blues when they win in double overtime in Game Seven. And they have a shot. They're just kind of filming upwards at the play-by-play guy and the color guy. And when the goal goes in and they're on the air, but they're freaking out in the booth and high-fiving, but trying to keep their composure a little bit. And we had some fun up in the booth, you know, for big goals and and, uh, some big moments there. It just kind of gave fans an inside look on what happens, especially when it's a home team call uh, in the booth when a big goal goes down, but you're trying to actually do your job at the same time. It was really neat to see. Yeah, it, it is cool. I love those videos. I think there was another good one in the in the first round of the NHL playoffs with uh, I think it was Colorado. I think it was Peter McNabb and then the Colorado crew uh, for the Avalanche. Those are always really cool. I love seeing. It's a piece. It's just something you don't see very often. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, it was interesting for me because obviously I don't know for people that are listening. I mean, most people probably know like I, I kind of my main gig is to cover the rush too, right? And even and, you know in the home market. So it was always. It, a bit of a challenge for me. I felt like one of the biggest challenges I had was to try to navigate that. And, and even though it's a home call, try to try to keep it somewhat down the middle so that, you know, when something like, you know, the mammoth score a playoff goal in overtime, you can still right. sell, sell that properly. Cause you know, there's tons of mammoth fans watching. Well, they're too, all and, mammoth fans, man. Like entire yeah. rush nation is at Sastel center pretty much. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. So that was one thing, you know, if you're going back and, and not to get too navel gazy here, but you know, when you're, when you're looking at the job you've done and you, you, you look back and you kind of say, did I do a decent job? You want to, you want to hope that you serve both fan base as well. And I think we did a good job of that this season. Um, you know, so I think that that's a big success and, and I really would hope that we can continue to do it into, uh, for seasons to come. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you that. And it's funny you mentioned that because I actually went back and listened to that playoff game and I thought, Man, I came I came across a little bit too pro Saskatchewan in that game. Like I was I was calling for moving picks and all sorts of stuff, but it's just really it's it's you know, I explained it on last class yesterday. It's really just human nature to get invested with a team yeah. that you get close to and and you don't do it intentionally. It just kinda happens and it's something that, you know, you really kinda have to fight against as a broadcaster. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah, you're absolutely it's a total natural thing and it's especially when you're dealing with a team that's full of like good people and that's what the rush are. Right. So you get develop relationships with these people and they're, they're, they're good guys uh, by and large. They're, they're all good guys. And it's, so it's a really easy to kind of 
become part of the team almost and feel like you're part of, you know, right on, on the bench yeah. with them because, because <laughs> you want them to do well, you, you know, you want them to succeed because yeah. you know them personally and, and you know, they're, they're good people and, and you're invested in, in their success in that way. But and um, sometimes we are literally on the bench. With them. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Shoot around, shoot around morning, shoot around. We're, we're usually down there, but you know, I, that's the thing I love about this league and uh, not just the rush, but this entire national lacrosse league is, is that, that relationship, and, and the, the people that are in the league and, and it's just, you know, there's not a lot of leagues, pro leagues of this caliber where you can, you know, text a coach <laughs> and say, Hey, can you come on my podcast yeah. or, you know, or, Hey, what's going on with so-and-so's injury, or maybe you uh, tweet a little too much about <laughs> someone's injury. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, you learn the lesson the hard way on and that then, one. But then you can, then, but then you can joke about it with them, you know, a right. couple days down the line. And, and so that's something that I really don't take for granted. I think that's what, one of the things that makes this league so great is that accessibility, not just between the broadcasters the and the players, but the fans too. I mean, you yeah. see the rush, they have these post game autograph sessions and you would think, you know, after a couple, most people would have their, you know, their autograph collection filled out, sure. but people well, keep well, coming even, back, you right? know, mingling around the hotel after post game and fans will stop by players are more than happy to interact with, with fans and answer questions or sign an autograph or whatever the case may be. And, and yeah. I really think you're right that the national Cross league is, is really unique in that regard. And I think that's one of the reasons that, that it makes it so special is uh, one more here for you, Ryan Flaherty, before I let you go. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the, the future, man. What, uh, what does Ryan Flaherty do during the summer and, and maybe what's on the horizon? Uh, I know you got a couple irons in the fire, but, uh, I don't know if you want to spill the beans or what, but maybe just let uh, rush nation know what Ryan Flaherty's up to in the next coming months here. You know what? Uh, right. Th- there are some things I'm looking at, but I got nothing to officially announce today, but um for for the time being i mean i'm focused on my my main job with global saskatoon and we like i've touched on off the top we've got a great uh, season of uh, i think of rattlers basketball coming up a brand new canadian league basketball league that's launching here in town so i'm excited to kind of cover that and maybe call some games on cebl tv over the course of the summer and as i've done in the last uh, couple of years i'm going to continue uh, doing some play-by-play online for the saskatchewan swat junior a and junior b actually this summer as well and uh and then it's football season so that's always fun and you know there's something going on all the time here in Saskatoon we used to joke about the the summer lull but now with with pro basketball and there's a a new soccer team that's trying to get things going so it's a really exciting time uh to be a sports fan around here and and that's what I love I mean I'm born and raised in Saskatoon and being back here covering sports is is a ton of fun Love being on the mic. Uh, certainly hoping to be back with the rush next season. Obviously, that's a number of months away, but uh, and things could change. But um, I, had a, I had a blast, and, and I'm hoping to continue doing it too. Well, I had a blast uh, doing it with you, man, and uh, I look forward to next year already. Keep up uh, the good work there at Global. I know you're a big curling guy as well. I am a big curling guy. I love the curling, actually. Just uh, keeping tabs on our boy, Kirk Myers, who's over in China right now. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the fun never stops. Like I said, there's always something. And so it uh, keeps me on my toes, that's for sure. It's a good thing I don't have uh, anything else resembling some kind of a life. <laughs> yeah, get get yourself like a cat or something. <laughs> I'm looking forward. I've got a two-week baseball road trip in uh, July. That'll be That'll be my, my vacation. Perfect. So. Hey, uh, yeah, yeah. Fletch, thanks for the time. Thanks for a great season, and uh, we'll look forward to keeping in touch over the summer here, man. 
You got it, man. Enjoy the uh, last couple weeks of the playoffs. You betcha. That was Ryan Flaherty, the play-by-play voice for the Saskatchewan Rush of Global Saskatoon. Uh, Make sure you're checking out his work all summer long. He's always around the sporting events there in Saskatoon. Quick break, and on the other side, it's the head coach and general manager of the Saskatchewan Rush, one Derek Keenan, will join us here on Rush Hour. Stick around. Hey, this is Chris Corbiel, captain of the Saskatchewan Rush. You're listening to Rush Hour, presented by Daytona Homes. Welcome back to the Rush Hour podcast presented by Daytona Homes. Big thanks to Ryan Flaherty for stopping by. And we'll wrap up the podcast with the man in charge. He is the head coach and the general manager of the Saskatchewan Rush. It is Derek Keenan back on Rush Hour. Derek, thanks for doing this. Well, thanks for having me on, Jake and Ryan. Oh, yeah. Well, Ryan's not here anymore. But no, he, he's not. No, eh? no. We just had him on for a chat, uh, as, oh, okay. as we did Brandon Urban. Speaking of Brandon Urban, Derek Keenan, he just uh, he scooped you a little bit. He broke some news here Good. on the Rush Hour podcast. Chris <laughs> Corbeil and Kyle Rubish uh, to one-year contracts, I hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got to be nice to, to get those two locked back up. Yeah, it's, it really is. I mean, I think, uh, as I said... Uh, in the release, the message is pretty clear to our fans and the rest of our team that uh, we mean business going forward. And obviously, those two are still two of the best in the world. Chris Corbeil is one of the greatest leaders in the game. And, uh, you know, to have them locked up going into the offseason, uh, you know, going into expansion draft again, is, it's really crucial. So, um, you know, we, we started working on it a while ago and finally got it done. And uh, so that's. Uh, yeah, like the work's already started. Yeah, I, I well, good, and I know you're you're taking the the summer off uh, from coaching there back home, which will mm-hmm. you know leave your attention more to to what's at hand here for the Russian and, and probably a little mm-hmm. fishing. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. Chris Corbeil and the kind of leader he is. We all kind of know about Cal Rubish and how good he is on the floor, mm-hmm. and he's a great team guy as well. But for guys that don't really know. To get inside the head of Chris Corbeil, what what makes him such an effective leader? Like he's not a a super vocal guy, but when he mm-hmm. speaks up, people listen. And and then of yeah. course I would think what he does on the floor as well. Well, yeah, I think it's a combination of all those things. First of all, he's very intelligent, very intelligent pl- person, very intelligent player, um, and leads by example on on the fitness side. Uh, he's he works extremely hard off the floor. Um, he's, he's, he keeps things real. I mean, we have a, we have a pretty loose group and, uh, he, he could be called captain serious to some degree, but, um, he's, you know, he, he knows what to have fun too, but, uh, he's the guy that kind of reels everything in and, um, he, um, he does a real good job. He has a good feel for the, for our team in terms of their, the readiness and or lack thereof. And, uh, he keeps me informed on things like that. So, um, he's, he's just a real good leader and the guys respect him a lot and they really look up to him. He's, he's got a pretty dry sense of humor too, but he's, he's got a quick Uh, wit. Like he knows when to to pipe up on the bus. (laughs) Yeah, he does. Yeah. 
yeah, he's good. Yeah, that's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Derek, I mean, obviously not the the end of the season that that anyone mm-hmm. was looking for or anyone that is really used to. Uh, I, I mentioned to Flats, Brandon Urban, actually, he blamed it on me, man. He said, uh, you know, we've been to the finals every time uh, we every year we've been here until you came aboard. So he, <laughs> he kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he hung that yeah, one on you, me. You were. You were one of the universes that collided, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, with with that being said, Derek, obviously this this team is built for championships, and the expectations are are to mm-hmm. get that every year. And and you didn't reach that goal this season, mm-hmm. um, which which is a bit of an anomaly. Uh, what mm-hmm. what what do you think you need to? I mean, it's it's not like the the car is broken here. It's it's. Yeah. I mean, what do you what do you want to tweak heading into next year? Well, I guess? Well, I, I'll tell you. I mean, obviously, we, we had to make changes here. We're we're forced to make changes on for a number of reasons: expansion, which everybody faced, and then when we lose uh, Jeff Cornwall and Ryan Dilts to, to to circumstances that you're not accustomed to, you know, you had to make changes, and um, we struggled a little bit with that early. I thought we we were a lot better by the end, um, but really, I mean, I, I I had a sense this year similar to two years ago that we just didn't quite have that focus all the time and and that togetherness and that diligence where nothing really phased us you know that we had back last year i mean last year our club came in every guy with one goal and they never wavered we rarely played poorly um, you know, if at all, and, and this year was the case where we, we just weren't consistent enough. So I think that kind of played out at the end. I mean, I, I, st- I mean, I, I still think I, I, you know what, I give all the credit in the world to Colorado. Um, but I, I don't think they're a better team than us, but on a one game thing like that, a one game playoff, Anything can happen, you know, and and you, you knew the, all along that their goaltender could steal a game, and he did. And yeah, um, you know, he was really good. Our goalie was really good too. We weren't our best. We had a, we had a not we had a bad fourth quarter, and it kind of a lot of those things came back that sort of plagued us all year. You know, the inconsistency, some mental mistakes on the defensive end. You know, we made a line change in the fourth quarter off a of faceoff, and they scored. Yeah. You know, those are things that you just go, really? Like, we, we don't do things like that. And so it, it just kind of came back and, and bit us again. And uh, and we had some guys in the offensive end who had down seasons for their standards. And you just don't expect that to happen again. I mean, if you do, then you really look at it and go, hmm, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not what they think they are. But that's not the case at all. It's no. just – it's it's a – it's a game of inches sometimes. And, uh, you know, um, we had uh, our struggles there. We were down a little bit in in our offense production, not a lot. We were down a little bit on the defensive side, not a lot, but just a little bit. And, uh, you know, um, for, for whatever, I mean, our power play was really good. And in the final game, we were only, we were only one for three. I mean, but it seemed like a pretty standard number for us. You know, we only drew three penalties. A yeah, game, but that was kind of a weird you know. thing all year, Derek. Yeah. Like you just like you yeah. look at the next closest team, and it's it's not that close. Mm-hmm. Like the, I know. We, what do you what do you attribute that to? Well, I don't know because it's not like we we play on the perimeter. 
you know. Yeah. I, I just think maybe teams have adapted a little bit to how we play, and then we're going to have to adapt. You know, we're we're not a one-on-one team, um, and it seems like the ones that are the, the teams that draw more penalties. So, you know, maybe we need to become a little bit more of that, or at least put that into our into our playbook where we, you know, we, we, we isolate a little bit more and things like that. But, um, yeah, it, it was, it was a little frustrating at times, but, uh, you know, you know, the talents there, the, you know, the skills there, um, it was just, uh, you know, little things here and there, you know, Robert got hurt early in the year, first game, missed training camp, Yeah, you know, that, that didn't help. And, um, and, but Hey, is Robert Church a great player? Absolutely. Is he going to bounce back? He's he's the proudest kid I know, so he's he's going to bounce back, and he's a, you know, he's a student of the game, and uh, he works extremely hard, and he loves to play. So you know, you know, he's just going to be back next year, and and, and quite frankly, I think we're going to have guys next year again that are going to be pissed off. Yeah, that are going to be, you know, what we really were a better team than we showed last year, and. Uh, um, you know, and we'll, we'll make our tweaks and, and, you know, we obviously have expansion to go through again, so we'll prepare for that, but we've got lots of assets to help us that way. We really, you know, we, we, we're, we're going to get those two guys back almost for sure, you know, in, in Dilks and Cornwall and, uh, you know, that really helps. I mean, they're, they're, they're not <laughs> yeah, bottom of the roster, no. you know, you know they're not bottom of the roster guys like they're they're, they're top end D guys so um, and help the transition game oh too my, which yeah. uh, which was a little down this year from from the past but um, you know there's all those little things that sort of collided at once and then in a one game playoff it it, uh, it got us so yeah I don't but, know if you've uh, seen the picture or not Jammer but uh, the the picture of the ball kind of wedged in Dylan Ward's gear from the, the shot that Messenger took in overtime off the faceoff. Mm. Oh, it is like yeah. centimeters, yeah. centimeters from, uh, from yeah. that game. And then, you know, we're probably, we're not having this conversation and, and everything's right yeah. in the world, but uh, that's how close yeah, the game is. Exactly. Yeah. And we had, we had a couple, he made a couple saves on power. Oh, actually. The one off of McIntosh like, was. Yeah. Was, I mean, exactly. So, and it's a one goal game and uh you know we we played really quite well for 45 minutes and and again that was a little bit of a microcosm of our season where we quite often didn't put together 60 minutes sure, so sure. you know that'll be a focal point i i don't think it's fitness related at all it's just more focus and and systems and uh just consistency so well speaking um, and, and our guys will be hungry yeah they're, they're going to be hungry i know they will be no question about it. as we speak with Derek keenan and, and you mentioned consistency and, and adjustments and and all that sort of stuff Derek, and and, and your coaching staff and jeremy Talevi and, and probably more so in jeff bacomb who has to adjust his offense almost you know half by half it seems like or definitely game by game depending who you're going but really, Bubs, like watching him from a much closer distance this year is absolutely incredible the way that he can adjust that offense on the fly to beat certain defenses. Yeah, I mean, he does. He's a really smart guy and does a good job with that. And now, now I think we look, we've already talked about this, an adjustment on a bigger level in terms of how we approach things right from the beginning because – Defenses are playing much differently on us than they used to. You know, we 
we would pick pressure apart and, and, you know, we would pick aggression apart. Now you're seeing teams play passive and really tight and willing to give up, you know, okay, decent mid-range shots, but that's not our game. So we, we need to adjust. We need to somehow figure out how to make that part of our game and figure out other ways to find holes. Um, and we've been, we've been pretty good at it at times, but not, you know, it's just, you know, it's been, it's a, it's a process and, uh, we know, we know we have the skill set to do it. We have all the guys, they're all, they all got, they all got balls and guts. Like none of them are afraid to go in the middle. That's for sure. And, uh, um, you know, and, and they're all willing to put in the work too. Like you look at a Mark Matthews, you know, he's obviously a really talented player, but he's also a guy willing to do the dirty work. And, uh, and, and there's a situation there. Where we may ask him to do even more of that because he's such a big, strong body and drives so much attention that, yeah, command. you know, we, we ask him to do a little bit more of that. And when we've done that, we've had success. So, you know, look at more consistency that way and, uh, um, you know, and, and just, just continually adapt and adjust and look at things on a bigger picture from the start of the season and even this off season. And, and then your defensive coach, Jeremy Talevi, who, you know, is not new to you and, and not even necessarily new to the rush organization, but new to fans in Saskatoon and, and his first year on the defensive bench and mm-hmm. having those new players come in and, and, you know, obviously Jimmy Quinlan, a very popular guy and, and coach with the boys mm-hmm. as we saw in Calgary, but, you know, just give me your, give me your thoughts on, on Jeremy and the job that he did. The boys really seem to take yeah. to him right from day one. Yeah. Like uh, if, you know, you've been around the team enough to know that they, they obviously really like him. He's another guy, great sense of humor, works really hard. But he was put in a tough spot. Like you talk about pressure, you know, we had, you know what, we had the best defensive record again last year. We've had arguably the best defensive group since about 2012. So, you know, and then we lose guys, and it just happens to be his year coming back with us, right. and and we lose some really key guys, and uh, he had a lot of pressure. But he handled it really well. I know the guys respect him; they like him a lot. Never mind your um, starting goaltender going down for a month. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's fun to be around, and and you know what? Again, we need to again another thing we look at how we play. We need to look at how we play defense. You know, where our teams, you know, being scouting film, all that is progress so much now um, that you know there may be some things that we need to do differently from a, a, a tactical and technical standpoint that we can be better at. So that'll all be looked at. But he's smart. He's uh, you know, he's um, he works really hard, and uh, we'll, we'll figure it out, and we'll get some bodies back, and we have an opportunity maybe to, you know, draft another Kyle Rubish or Chris Corbeil in this year's draft right. with the picks that we have. So, you know, uh, we'll figure out that when, uh, that out when the time comes and, uh, you know, kind of start to build and get a little bit younger. But I think, you know, we've got two really good young guys, too, in Messenger and Hossack. Oh, man. Got to, got, got to play real big minutes this year, play big roles, played penalty kill, played last-minute defense, you know, so. And, and both got a lot better for it. And you just know next year they'll be, they'll be 25 years old and they'll be even better. So, yeah. you know, it's, that's, uh, scary. that's a good thing. That's too. scary. Scary to think mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Uh, Derek, listen, uh, I, I really appreciate your time here coming on rush hour. And, and, uh, I know, uh, you got yourself a new boat. You're going to be doing some, you're not yeah. used to having the month of May off, but you're going to be doing a lot of fishing and, and I yeah. hope you, you're not coaching this summer. So I really hope you, uh, enjoy some time off. And if I know a, if there's a guy out there that's going to 
to be motivated coming back uh, to to next season. It's it's going to be you. And and just before yeah. I let you go, you know, I had a, a chance to to say it to Bubs and Jerry right after the game, but I don't think you were in the room. And I just I can't thank you and 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 the Rush players and the organization enough for really kind of opening the door for me for since day one and really letting me inside with you guys and and being around and being on the bus and on the bench and stuff during shoot around. It's just uh, it was a, a fabulous experience for me and and a great year and it was uh, really fun to to kind of be on the inside and get to know you guys. Well, good. It was great having you, Jake. And uh, we'll uh, we've only just started. You know, you- we're starting starting over again but we're we're, we're gonna get it going again next year and i'll be glad to have you back too. Uh, i can't wait man can't wait uh thanks okay. a lot enjoy your summer Derek. all right okay jake take care thanks a lot that was the head coach and general manager of the saskatchewan rush always enjoy a good conversation with jammer and uh i can't think of a better guy to be leading the ship uh he is as good as it gets as far as minds go when it comes to coaching how to manage players um, away from the game, and then you know he's he's pretty crafty when it comes to to drafting and the old trade table as well. So, in my books, and and I've you know said this before, I was with the Rush that uh, he's the best in the business, and Rush Nation is super lucky to have him, uh, and hopefully for years to come. I think uh, Mr. Keenan's contract may be coming up for renewal. Uh, <laughs> next season as well so mr urban will have uh, his work cut out for him because uh first thing you want to do is lock up Derek keenan uh rush hour coming to a close as we just uh, eclipsed the hour mark here on rush hour so we should wrap things up uh big thanks to brandon urban ryan flaherty and, and Derek keenan for coming on the podcast uh to you, Rush Nation, I must say, uh, you know, we, we've we've talked a lot about you um, this podcast, and I've talked a lot about you all all year long. I I've been around a long a long time, uh, better part of twenty years in broadcasting. I've been around a long a lot of teams in that twenty years, and I can tell you, the fan base in Saskatchewan, uh, nobody can rival you guys, and I'm so happy uh, and and blessed to be a part of this organization and have a fan base like Rush Nation uh, behind me. They've been so encouraging. Everybody I've, I've met this year, um, you know, from Rush Hulk to the super fans, the fan club, all of it, uh, everybody that I've come across in, in Saskatoon has been just uh, amazing and welcoming and supporting. And um, I love talking Saskatchewan Rush lacrosse with, with everybody that I come across when when I'm in Toontown or whether it be on social media or what have you. So let's uh, let's keep in touch, shall we, over the summer here, guys. Uh, lots of lacrosse going on around our country, and uh, I'll be on top of all of it for the most part. So uh, you should know how to find me by now, but if you don't, you can find me via social media. Pretty much anything that you want to find, you'll find me at PXP the number for sports pxp for sports is where you can find me don't be shy reach out and uh let's talk some lacrosse shall we so once again thank you to you rush nation everybody involved with our production team uh through br live garrett uh ryan fetchy pat mckay uh darren dupont who stepped in daniela brenley allison uh Brittany, uh, Myrna, I cannot thank Myrna enough for, for everything that she did uh, for me this season, all the questions I asked her. Uh, Bruce, Brandon, you name it. Everybody involved with the entire Russian organization and Rush Nation, uh, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for this year, and I can't wait for next season 
already. Uh, like I said, I hope to maybe crank one of these out midsummer just as a check-in. We'll see how it goes, but for now, we will wrap things up. Once again, for Brandon Urban, Ryan Flaherty, and uh, for Derek Keenan, thanks for coming on the podcast. Daytona Homes, our sponsor here on the Rush Hour Podcast. You are the best. And to you, Rush Nation, can't wait to see you again come December. I've been Jake Elliott for the fastest game on two feet. And for the creator, enjoy the games, everybody. <laughs>